Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 38 of the JMAC Tries podcast. Today is my conversation with professional triathlete Jack Felix. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show dedicated to bringing you fun conversations with some amazing triathletes. As always, I'm your host, Jason, a.k.a. JMac, and today's guest is another fun conversation. It's Jack Felix. You know him on Instagram as at JackHHI, and uh, he's racing over in Super League right now, Super League Triathlon Series. This weekend is in Mallorca. He raced last weekend in Malta because he earned his golden ticket over at Jersey, which allows him to race the last three races of the season. So he's over there in Mallorca, crushing it um, uh, with a smile, maybe. I don't know, man. He we, we talk about how tough this series is. He's going against the fastest guys in the world, and uh, it's just full tilt from start to finish. So fun conversation with Jack. Dig a little bit deeper into his background, how he got into triathlon, which included a solid career over at Clemson, uh, running cross country and track, which ended up converting into uh, triathlon and did collegiate nationals his senior year, earned his pro card, uh, had a stint on the USA Triathlon CRP development squad. And then, like I said, transitioned over to Super League, where he's now racing for them as a professional. So he's doing all this while going to Queen's University, studying for his MBA. Very similar to what prior guest Justin Lippert's doing. So that team is freaking stacked, and I can't wait to see what they do this year at Collegiate Nationals. Uh, again, go follow Jack. He's at Jack HHI. His website is Jack Felix Racing. And just uh, just an enjoyable, down-to-earth conversation with a great guy. So uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Without further ado, my conversation with Jack Felix. Hey, Jack. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Doing good. That's good. Thank you so much for coming on my show. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a ton for having me. Um, I'm pretty excited to have you because uh, you're going to be my first guest that just got their ass handed to them at Super League. So I'm excited to hear how it went. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is the absolute truth right there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I say that in a, in a good way. I mean, first of all, congratulations. Um, we were talking offline. So you got the, the golden ticket. Yeah, I did. So I finished among the top five of those athletes that were in the hunt to get a contract for the rest of the season, which – sort of got me that golden ticket to where now I can race the rest of the series fully funded. They're like, hey, congratulations. Uh, you get to come back for more pain and suffering. And, uh, and we're just talking. And let's go back-to-back weekends as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. So as if one weekend of just getting absolutely demolished wasn't enough, you know, go straight into another one. That is crazy. So um, by them, so this is kind of a contract with Super League where they pay for you to go out there and do all this? Yes. So uh, if you're in on the Super League professional roster, they fund your trips entirely to these destinations. 
you know, obviously they give you something and in return you have to, you know, give them a small piece of your soul on the day and, and die on television. <laughs> right. And look good for the fans. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, so they are, so, so they are truly turning and trying to turn this into a professional uh, triathlon league. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They are going like, they're not holding back at all. They're pouring all the resources that they can into making this, you know, the most exciting like the most exciting spectator friendly version of triathlon possible and oh by the way the athletes are gonna get their ass handed to them so don't worry about them they're fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh and this is chris mccormick's doing yeah it is chris mccormick is organizing it with um several partners and you just got invited to do uh was it last weekend the week before which was in jersey Mm-hmm. Yep. And how, how did they find, did they find you? Do you find them? Like, how does this whole thing work? So there were two qualification races. One was in uh, Pozon, I believe. And the other was in Penticton, British Columbia. And I was among 10 athletes who went to Penticton in an attempt to qualify for the final in Jersey. And while in Penticton, we only made it through one of the three days of racing before those wildfires smoked us out. So they invited all of the Penticton qualifiers to Jersey and said, if you're among the top five here, you get the rest of the contract. So we had like a a race within a race. Oh, cool. So you knew in Jersey who you had to beat to get the golden ticket. Yes, I did. I mean, easier said than done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I, I knew beforehand. I didn't quite know anything during the race. I had no idea what was happening. I couldn't even see. So, 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 so tell me about this. So I think the coolest thing about this, you know, obviously, you know, recording this in early October. So Kona's in two weeks and Kona's Kona and uh, albeit fun to watch, you know, staring at somebody running, you know, for doing a race for eight and a half hours is a little monotonous. So but for me, I mean, this whole league is, first of all, it's broadcast over YouTube um, and it's out there for anybody to see. So I watch it while I'm on, while I'm on the treadmill and I just love watching it. So it's really awesome from a spectator point of view, but not so much from an athlete. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fun to go back and watch it and reminisce, but, uh, yeah, during the entire process, I'm not sure if my heart rate ever went below 200. It's gotta be insane. I mean, so just for those of us that are those that don't know what it is. So there's, it's a, this, so, so, so Jersey was two days. The first day is what they call a triple mix. Yep. So yeah, triple mix first day. It was super sprint distances, uh, swim, bike, run, then a break, then run, bike, swim, then a break, then bike, swim, run, I believe. Okay. And, and I'll stop you there because by break, it's basically the first guy that comes in, the 10 minutes start going, right? 10 minutes. Correct. Clock. Yeah. And so if you come in at like nine minutes after him, you literally have one minute to get your crap together and get back to the starting line. Oh, well, actually, if you ever fall more than 90 seconds behind the leader, they yank you off the course. Oh, they don't even give you a chance. They're like, no, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's no hope for you. (laughs) And then, (laughs) which is good. They put you out of your misery early. So, yeah. And they have a giant clock in transition that gives the split every single lap. And the laps were only 800 meters long on the bike. So every single lap, you were like watching that clock get bigger, thinking, oh, God, here it comes. This is it. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, yeah, so then you, you come out. So swim, bike, run, 
and then they turn it around and then I mix it up a little bit. And did, and I apologize. I, I've not finished day one yet, but I did see mm-hmm. that you made it on day two. Did you make it through all of day one? I did not. I was eliminated. I came across the finish line of the last uh, or the first round of triathlon at exactly 90 seconds. So I wasn't <sighs> able to start the second. Okay. So, <laughs> but it wasn't, I mean, there was a bunch, obviously you're just competing against those five other guys. Um, but you come back for day two in the enduro. Correct. And um, that one's crazy because you basically, you just keep doing it. It's what three, it's three, basically three triathlons in a row. Correct. So swim, bike, run straight into swim, bike, run straight into swim, bike, run. And what they did was the 90 second rule was still in effect. So if you ever fell more than 90 seconds behind, they yanked you. But also, if you're the last two into transition after any individual discipline, they yanked you. So the last two guys out of the water on the first swim got pulled out of the race. The okay. last two guys off the bike got pulled out. So like, there were a couple guys that went there, and their race on Sunday was a 300-meter swim, and that's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Full tilt, 300-meter swim, go home. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then and you made it through two rounds of that, I believe. I made it just just after the first round. Okay. And then I got I got yanked. And there were some twins in front of you? <laughs> there were. There was a set of Australian twins, and I hung out the whole week with them. And to this day, I could not identify them to you. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and then, so did you, did you run with your uh, goggles and swim cap in your kit? I, um, so actually, I had my goggles around my neck. I pulled them down. But my swim cap got just at, ripped off my head about three strokes into the swim. So I don't know where that thing went, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, because it's, fu- it's funny watching, like, the strategies of different guys going into the And girls. I keep saying guys, but it's also a female race as well. Um, the strategies of, you know, do you wear your swim cap? Do you put it in your kit? Do you throw it on? You're like, what do you do with it? So, yeah, the, the strategy for a majority of athletes was just to keep it in your kit. Like, so shove the cap and goggles, like, down your neck or something so that you could have it running into because transitions were absolutely vital. If you lost a second in transition, that could be into your race. Like, you could be off the back of the field. And with guys like Vincent Louie, Richard Murray, and Henry Schoeman, like, charging the pace on the front, if you fall off the back at all, you're gone. Those guys are going to leave you. Yeah, and it's, it's full drafting, so it's like an ITU race. Correct. Um, and can you use aero bars or was it just road bikes? Um, you could use aero bars, but okay. the, uh, the course was 800 meters with, uh, a full 180 roundabout as well as a full 180 U-turn. And the rest of it was pretty, pretty technical. So I don't know that there were any stretches of the road where going into the aero position would have been beneficial. Okay. And then coming out of transition, it was uphill. It looked like, yeah, it was uphill on like a cobbled road. So <laughs> It was like if you could had, as if it was any harder on the race, you try to put power out on your legs and it's cobblestones with carpet over them, which is just about the most difficult thing to ride on I've ever ridden on my life. Oh my god. And then uh and then the swim cracking up because it was like in a in a um you know, a little like yacht club it looked like. And so there's all these boats with propellers and stuff sticking out. And you guys are pretty tight to some of those boats. Yeah, the swim was quite hazardous. And then <laughs> okay. the uh, the water temp was, uh, I believe, 17 degrees Celsius. So it was absolutely frigid. So you couldn't feel your hands. You could have smacked them on a propeller and not even known. <laughs> wow. 
This so was this something you had aspired to do this year? Oh yeah, absolutely. This has been something I'd had on my calendar for a while. I remember watching the first Super League event back in uh, Hamilton Island last year, and I knew like <laughs> just seeing how intense that was. I like that. That was so much more appealing to me than just essentially a tr- like a what a normal triathlon is like when you go out and just do a time trial by your and just push yourself. This was so much more tactical and racing and intense, you know? And this kind of goes up your alley with your racing career or your racing, what you, what you like to do. This is definitely what I like to do. Definitely. I don't know that I'm better than this, than at this, than normal, you know, draft legal or normal non-draft triathlon. But this is just so much more fun. And yeah, so I guess it's kind of like, you got to go into this thing with an open mind. Like this is something I'm, I have to quote unquote enjoy. Otherwise I'm going to be miserable. <laughs> well, it's, I don't know that I'm what, during the process. I don't think I was ever at any point having fun, but I finish <laughs> and you finish and you cross and you're done. And it's like, man, that was kind of fun. You don't realize it till afterwards though. I get it. You know, when you can look back and uh, reflect in the misery. Um, that's awesome. So let's, so let's kind of go back a little bit leading into this. So your background is you're, uh, you're, you're a pure runner. You ran track and cross country at Clemson. Correct. Yeah. So I was, a well, actually I started in junior elite bike racing when I was really young, like eight years old up until about 15. And then I focused on running cause I wanted to go to a big school and cycling isn't something that really offers scholarship at big schools. So I, uh, yeah, I got really into cross country and track and field and ended up competing at Clemson University for four years. So you just like to suffer since you've been eight years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I just think it's because I was so god-awful at normal sports. That's kind of been the theme of every triathlete I speak to on my podcast. I was talking to uh, Antoine DeRoche, and he's like, my parents put me in baseball, but I couldn't throw a baseball to save my life. So uh, I just got into – I was good at suffering, so I did cross country skiing. And then once that was over, I just got into triathlon. So sounds like similar to you. Yeah, I started out with uh, soccer and lacrosse when I was really young. But I must have just been an absolute embarrassment to watch because then my parents were like, let's go try bike racing. <laughs> let's, get, <laughs> let's get as far away from this as possible. <laughs> so you could run around forever, but you had no coordination. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, uh, so were you one of those suckers that had to do the 800 or the 1600 in track? So, um, collegiately, I would focus on the 15 and I ran cross country because everybody who was categorized as distance ran cross country, but I was probably, a, I was a little big for cross country. I'm not a small athlete by any means. Most of the cross guys are like, you know, five, seven to like 140 pounds. And I'm like six, maybe three, 175, oh, 170. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> substantially bigger i looked pretty funny on the start line across country meets <laughs> um so and you you dabbled a little bit in swimming in high school too i think i read somewhere oh uh, yeah i i dabbled in the old high school swim team because both my sisters did it and they're they're both really solid swimmers and i did it because i continuously got injured running and i needed to do something to stay fit and like cardiovascularly so and that was kind of i was pu- going on your website um jackfelixracing.com and you and i'm taking this verbatim quote quoted you saying your running career was a flop yeah it wasn't you know it was really a disappointment for me i was uh 
I, I want to say I was a great runner, but I was a good runner to the point where I was recruited by universities out of high school. I was a state champion for South Carolina and I had these like, you know, visions of me being a great collegiate runner and, you know, being, getting all these accolades and such. But as I got to college and proceeded to get a stress fracture nearly every single season I ran. So <laughs> wow, it, re- it really was a flop. I ended up with something like eight stress fractures and then I had a bike crash and broke my right leg right after my sophomore year. And it was um, like a lower tib fib kind of break. So I had to get surgery to have it put back together. And I really didn't know if I was going to do anything after that athletically. Oh, my God. So was with the stress fracture, besides the bad luck on the bike, were the stress fractures more overuse or just you being an, you know, I'll, I'll say an idiot for lack of a better word or... Um, yeah, I think it was overuse. I think it was not listening to my body. Looking back now, after being a professional for several years, I've learned to listen to my body more. And obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, And I see all these instances when I was young and dumb and pushing myself that I can like vividly remember days now looking back saying, you know, I, I probably shouldn't have done any of the things I did. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it wild? And, um, I'll, I'll, so I had, um, so Jesse Thomas was one of my original guests on this show. And he said the same thing because he was injured a lot in college. And he said, if he could go back, you know, then and tell himself what he knows now, it'd be like, don't go out and run for a week, man. You'll be okay. You know, your season's not over. Just get healthy instead of as endurance athletes. And especially at your level, you know, you just must put, must push through the pain. Like, you know, this is what you have to do. Yeah, I, I vividly remember back to my college career, like waking up on mornings of easy runs and just hammering them because that's what we all did. That, that's college running. And I didn't realize it, but now I, I know the feeling of being completely bogged down and knowing my body is trashed and knowing I should stop. But then I have memories of just going completely through it. Yeah. And in college, right? I mean, you're having fun. It's your way from home. You're partying. Plus, you got a lot of you know, uh, schoolwork to do as well. And uh, so it's like all these stresses in your life. But as an endurance athlete, you're like, I just have to push through it. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. So then, so you, you, you kind of finished. So, okay, now, now coordinate this with me. So you, you were running track cross country, but then you did collegiate nationals for triathlon? Yeah, so I, um, I stayed a fifth year at Clemson because I had – and because college is awesome and I didn't want to leave. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and, and with the uh, football team Clemson had, what was the point of leaving? You know, it's the, the time of my life. Plus, we're winning national championships in football, so might as well hang around. Totally. And in, in my time of hanging around, I stopped running at the beginning of my fifth year. I just totally stopped athletics for about two weeks before I went almost completely insane and decided that I wanted to get back into bike racing. So I raced a little bit on the bike in the fall. And then I did cross in the winter, like cyclocross. And then in the spring, I decided I wanted to give triathlon a go. I always had it in the back of my head that I wanted to do it. Like throughout all of college, I was like, you know, maybe when I'm done running, I'm going to give this triathlon thing a go. And it all sort of played out to where second semester of my fifth year, I didn't really have anything else to do. I was in like three classes, which included shotgun shooting and turkey hunting because that's what we do at Clemson and we have a great time. But, uh, so I had copious amounts of free time and I was like, this is it. I'm going for it. And, uh, yeah, trained hard, did Claremont and, uh, or yeah, the Claremont EDR as my first draft legal triathlon. 
and then went to collegiate nationals as my second and managed to sneak away with third that day. Holy shit. So that was your second triathlon ever and you walked away with third place. I'd done a couple, but that was my second draft legal one. I did like a couple tune-up ones. So okay. That was my first season of like training for triathlon and like focusing on it and saying, you know, this is, I'm, I'm going to do triathlons now. This is what I'm doing. So now you're left with this situation of you come in third and that's where you earned your pro card. Correct. Yeah. So I, I took my elite license. Well, I didn't take it. I earned it there. And then I went to age group nationals, like in, I believe it was Omaha, like two weeks later and did that. And then I accept my pro card after doing that. Okay. So now you're like, okay, here we go. You know, you, your dream's coming true. <laughs> you're, you're graduating with a degree and you earn your pro card. And that's when you got picked up by USAT, their development team. Correct. So I, uh, I joined the CRP after graduation and that's the, um, it's the program that USA triathlon funds to sort of pick up single sport athletes that have potential in multi-sport out of the collegiate system and develop them hopefully into top performing professionals on the ITU circuit. And what was that like? Were you out in Boulder training out there? So uh, when I joined, it was in Phoenix and I, I drove out to Phoenix and we were there for like, I think I was in Phoenix for like six months of just, just training for six months before I did my first race for USAT. And then we went down to Australia and we raced the Gatorade elite series down there. And those were my first actual elite races. And was that ITU racing draft legal? It was, it was draft legal. It wasn't ITU. They didn't want to throw us straight into the mix. So <laughs> we did, we did some of the smaller scale racing that had, you know, probably less depth than a normal IT race in uh, what's called Australia while we were down there. And then we came back and moved to California and then got into the, the ITU circuit stuff, kind of like the continental cups in the U S and uh, an occasional world cup. And how'd that go for you? Were you, I mean, how were you, were you racing well? Were you doing well? Yeah, I was doing, I got a, a couple top tens. I think I got seventh at Des Moines, which was the, U23 national championships at the time. They didn't host that race this year. And um, I'm, I'm blanking on my other results. That's but okay. I did uh, at the Gatorade series. I won the Gatorade series in Port Arlington in Australia. And I finished second at the final of the Gatorade series in St. Kilda. Huh. So here you are again. Now you're showing signs of like, okay, maybe this is triathlon is for me. Um, and what are you kind of thinking at this point? Yeah, it's obviously it's going well enough to where I think, you know, I could potentially do this, but I'm not blowing it out of the water enough to know that like, okay, I'm the next top of the world athlete. So I'm sort of sitting in this middle ground where like, I know I'm good enough to like potentially make it, but I'm not so good that I've made it instantly and I'm making money and it's now my job. Yeah, because the sport is hard enough as it is. And, you know, it's such the pointy end of the stick where anybody makes any type of money. Um, and then if you're focused on ITU racing, that's even more difficult. Yeah. ITU racing, the, I, for the, the lower tier guys, it's so hard to make the money because the, the winners are pretty consistently the same group of 10 guys and the sponsorships aren't as big because the crowds and the spectators and the 
the overall fan base is smaller, I imagine, than the uh, Iron Man crowd. And did you did you ever do any longer distance seventy point threes or Iron Man? No, I've never done any of those. Okay, good for you. I've not done one either. <laughs> <laughs> That's the running joke of my show. So, fourteen seasons doing triathlon and never done a full Iron Man. So, um... uh, it's too long to focus. I can't. I can't focus on one thing for that long. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's why my show's <laughs> only thirty minutes. So, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd get distracted on the bike and not know what was going on. Forget that I was riding hard. That's right. So, how are you um, as you're as you're doing this uh, this pro circuit? Um, are you are you how's your running? Are you still injured? Are you feeling good? So, uh, luckily, I am standing next to a wood cabinet right now because I'm going to knock on it. But upon <laughs> starting my triathlon career, I have remained injury free for the longest span of my entire life. So, I'm at since I since I joined the CRP there. Uh, the coach there, Jared Evans, was so attentive to the athletes, and he was so good at keeping us healthy, and he really taught us to listen to our body. So since joining triathlon, I have learned what to do and what uh, signs to really take note of and know the, the, I guess, the cues my body gives and follow them to remain injury-free. Isn't it amazing, like, how much – how important that plays and recovery and all this stuff that nobody teaches you in high school or college. <laughs> oh yeah. It makes such a big difference. Like just the knowledge I wish I could go back and give my high school running self, I think could have changed the career. But then, you know, if I wouldn't have had a terrible running career, I might've never found triathlon. So yeah. Right. So look who knows? <laughs> yeah, totally. Now, um, are you still with the, the crp development team or is that over with i don't know how that works uh no allotment of time based on your progression so i was allotted a year and a half with the program so i grad i finished my crp in october of last year and it was kind of like i was in some sort of no man's land because Mm -hmm. i wanted to do pro triathlon i no longer had funding i had no money i couldn't afford to do pro triathlon but i definitely did not want to get a job so (laughs) So you went back to school. (laughs) So I did what any normal millennial person who doesn't want a job does. And I went to get another degree. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and so go ahead, you go. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I started looking at schools because I knew I needed a, I have a health science degree for undergraduate and realistically, there's not too much you can do with just a health science degree. That's one of those degrees where you are pretty much, you know, forced to get a postgraduate degree. So I started looking at schools and deciding what I wanted to do. And I decided I wanted an MBA. And um, yeah, I saw that Queens University had a top-notch triathlon team. It was back on the East Coast, which was huge for me. I wanted to be back on the East Coast again. And uh, I reached out to the coach and we got everything lined up so fast. I remember I made like half the calls and applied to school on my 40-hour drive home from California. So, like, by the time I got home, I essentially had everything lined up, and I was ready to start in January for grad school. That's awesome. So, what's the deal with this tri-team at Queen's U? Because Justin Lipper, he's one of your teammates, right? Yeah, he is. Uh, I, he was on my show. Uh, I've not dropped it as of yet. But, yeah, so, and he's another one. He just won age group nationals two days in a row. Um, so, is this, like, some stacked tri-team that – I've never heard about the, not that that means anything, but are they just like recruiting all these powerhouse studs to race with, with you guys? Yeah. So, um, we are going to be a huge force on the collegiate tri team this year. Uh, we finished 
I believe it was third or fourth last year as a team. Um, we won the mixed team relay as a team, but I think this year we're going to be definitely in, in the hunt, in contention to take that title for USAT collegiate club nationals. We have um, tons of talent on the team. We have a couple elites, including myself. We have guys like Justin Lippert who just won age group nationals pretty, pretty dominantly. Like, you know, not really much question there as to who was going to take that race. And, uh, Actually, Justin and I ran together at Clemson University back in undergraduate. I was a, a couple of years older than he was, but we did have some good running memories there. <laughs> I'm sure some other memories as well. Yeah, we had some good times. <laughs> uh, that's wild. So, um, it, it, so tell me a little bit more about Queens. You know, is it a small school, big school? I'm, I'm up in Connecticut, so I don't have any okay. to know about you guys. So, yeah. So Queens University is it's a it's a fairly small school. It's a Division II university in the middle of Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, it's got pretty top-notch athletic programs for being a Division II school. Our swim team is crazy good. Our triathlon team right now is about to be amazing. Our basketball team's pretty good. Um, and then the university as a whole offers some pretty good degrees. I'm in the Hugh McCall School of Business, and it's a top-notch MBA program, and I'm having a blast so far. Oh, cool. So it's just a great combination of athletics and education, and, and it's probably nice and warm down there, so good for training as well. Yeah, the training the training's really good. Uh, weather's wonderful. We have some good parks, and the facilities are, you know, it's it, coming from Clemson, which is, you know, one of the most known Division One schools with unbelievable amounts of resources. For being a Division Two school, Queens is, is wildly competitive with Clemson. And it's cool because it sounds like they're also focused on, you know, the endurance sports, like you said, swimming and then obviously triathlon. So that's great as well. Yeah, I think Queens is, I could be wrong. I think it's one of two or three universities in the country that funds triathlon. So the school actually gives us a budget and we can, we have scholarship and we have all sorts of resources that like 99% of other schools aren't able to have. Wow. That's... So we are, a, we are, yeah, we're a funded, a school funded team, which is crazy. That's awesome. So how do you specifically, so are you, are you a professional triathlete or an elite triathlete or do you have your pro card? Like how does this whole thing work with that? And then with you being in school? So I do, I have my pro card. I compete. I would call myself a professional because it's for the past two years. It's the only thing I've done. <laughs> And now going back to school, because triathlon's not NCAA, it doesn't matter that I've made money or been a professional or that I'm still a professional because it's the, there's no NCAA governing body to tell me, hey, you can't do that. Oh, it's not so NCAA. Can... <laughs> okay, I got you. No, on the, yeah, on the men's side, it's not NCAA. So I can continue to uh, essentially race and train as a professional as long as I can manage to get to class on time and finish my homework <laughs> and race to the university. So then you're going to go back in a couple of years, get your doctorate, and then... Uh... <laughs> yeah, as long as I keep offering degrees, I reckon I'll keep taking them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was laughing. You're coming home from Super League, and I think you had like a test the next day or something like that. Or you told me about that. You had a test, and then you were... So it's like you're one of the few guys out there busting your butt on the course and having to study in between everything. Yeah, it's a lot of having my laptop out in the airports, and instead of watching Netflix, I'm doing like managerial accounting 
That's awesome. Cool. So, um, so we've kind of come full circle to, you know, then you, you go out to, um, to Penticton and um, for Super League. And then uh, that was canceled. Make it out to Jersey. Now you got your golden ticket. So, again, congratulations on that. But now you got to go race three more times. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was super good to get that. It was an awesome experience. I'm pumped to go to the next group of destinations for these races. But then, again, once I'm there, I have to step on the starting line with essentially the, like numbers one through ten in the world who are all there ready to destroy me. And I just got to buckle up and send it. Go full send, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag full send. Justin Lippert. Totally. <laughs> um, so cool. So Malta is it? So, yeah. So you and I were talking. We're going to drop this thing right in between Malta and Mallorca. Mallorca? Is that what? Yeah. Mallorca, I think. Mallorca, I mean, yeah. I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I, you're, the, you're the one that's in school. I've been out of school for 20 years. So, uh, <laughs> but um, And then they fly you to all these cool places to race. Correct. Yeah, they're uh, they're going to fund all of it, which is super cool, especially for someone like me who's, you know, not treating triathlon as a spend and money contest because I would most likely lose to every single other human in triathlon. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so then so that's big kind of the next question as we're, as we're kind of wrapping this up, Jack, is what's, you know, what's the next couple of years look like for you? What do you think if you had the opportunity to do anything, what would it be? Um, I'd like to continue to race professional, uh, professionally as long as I can, but I do understand that that's, uh, that's going to have a definite end and I feel like I'm going to ride it out. But then once I am done, I'll have this degree from Queens, which is going to really open a lot more doors for me to where I can get a normal desk job, or maybe I can get into sort of the business aspect of triathlon and stay involved in the sport, but not be a pro racer anymore would probably be the ideal situation for me. Okay. So you're, you're being, I'll, I'll say you're being kind of smart about this whole thing. Like you realize your potential, um, short term, take advantage of it, but you're not going to throw everything away for this 10 year lucrative career that might not ever happen. Yeah. So I'm going to definitely go for it for a bit, but then I know I have it in the back of my head that I can fall back on something. Cool. And do you see a lot more guys and girls in your situation doing that now with the sport? I think it depends. I think it's pretty evenly split. I know a fair few of triathletes who are extremely educated and could leave triathlon at any moment and get a very good job. And there's also some people who are, you know, on the other end of that who might be a little more reliant on triathlon and I don't want to be completely reliant on it. Yeah. It's just such a tough sport. I mean, especially from the, from your side, right? So from my side as an age group or, you know, it's, it's great. It's, we, you know, it's almost like the, the Ironmans of the world cater to the age groupers because they're just taking all of our money and they know we'll always <laughs> be there. Um, where, you know, your side, it's, it's just, it's not like they really focus on it. And I'm, I'm, these are my own words just from my perception, but it's cool to see, you know, Super League trying to turn that around and trying to make this into more of a, a professional sport with, with real you know, spectators and capabilities to give you guys uh, and girls a, a little bit of a living. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's what triathlon needs if it wants to become a fan-supported professional sport, you know? Because, I mean, the fans – Iron Man is supported only because so many age groupers 
consider it such, not that it's not, but it's a huge achievement. And because so many people recognize that so many people want to do it. And so they have all this funding from the entry fees and all that and such. And uh, maybe the ITU stuff isn't as fan friendly because there's not as much participation by the fans and they don't get to do it. But with Super League, it's short enough. Everyone can watch it. It's open to everyone across the world to watch. And then they also have uh, age group races and junior and youth races throughout the whole day for everyone else to compete in as well, which is super cool. That's awesome. I hope they, uh, well, this is exciting. I hope they, they kind of get their niche going and figure it out. And, um, and then it's around for a while. So it's, I enjoy watching it. So uh, I'm sure you don't enjoy racing in it, but I enjoy watching <laughs> it. So. Yeah. It's a little easier to watch than an eight hour uh, grind. Oh, hundred percent. Like I said, I just put it on when I'm on the, on the treadmill and uh, I'm like, man, they're running fast. I'm so glad I'm not out there with them. But um, <laughs> It is enjoyable just to watch the, like the little logistics of transitions and how it's just mixing it up. And uh, yeah, it's totally cool. So awesome. So listen, Jack, as we're, as we're wrapping this up, I just want to say thank you again for coming on. And uh, so people can follow you. You're on Instagram. You're at Jack. H-H-I. So it took me a while to figure that out, but is that Hilton Head Island? It is, yeah. That's Hilton Head Island. That's where I was born and raised. So. Oh, cool. I threw that back in the old Instagram and Twitter handles back in high school and just, you know, never changed it. So Okay, cool. That's, that's me. And then yeah, throw, just, throw me a follow. <laughs> absolutely. No, we're going to put this out there, and uh, we're going to make you famous. Um, oh, good. <laughs> no, I'm Being psyched. In- <laughs> Being insta-famous is much more important than being good at triathlon. So It is, man. That's the whole point of the sport. So, uh, <laughs> And all the, all, the, all the brands are recognizing that. And then uh, Jack Felix Racing is your website? Correct. Um, cool. And then so I got one final question before we wrap this thing up. So on, right before you go into Super League, you, you posted a picture of yourself. And uh, did you shave your face and did you shave your legs? <laughs> So I shaved my legs and my arms and I gave my face sort of like uh, a, I wouldn't call it a shave. I put a guard on the buzzer and I got it down to like a, a one or a 0.5 or something like that. So yeah, I got looking good is just as important as being fast. So well, I had to keep, keep a little bit of the beard there. Nice. I noticed that talking to Justin. So, you know, he had the handlebar mustache when he was racing nationals and it served him well. So. Yeah, yeah, facial hair's in, man. And you gotta you gotta look good to feel good and feel good to race good, and that's just science. So <laughs> ne- never sacrifice good looks for speed. Awesome. I think we're just gonna leave it at that because we can't we, we can't <laughs> top that as a as a closing. So uh listen, Jack, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I had a blast talking to you, and uh I totally look forward to following your journey at Super League and beyond. Yeah, sick. Thanks a ton, man. My pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, sounds good. There you have it. My conversation with Super League triathlete Jack Felix. I told you, just a fun guy, down to earth, uh, pretty humble, but going out there and killing it with the best in the world. So go give Jack a follow on Instagram. He's at JackHHI. His website is Jack Felix Racing. And again, he's racing this weekend, uh, Super League Triathlon in Mallorca and then off to Singapore. 
So go follow them as well and check out how Jack and all the other athletes are doing. All right, that's all I have for you this week. As always, I'm Jason, a.k.a. JMac. You know how to find me on Instagram at jmac underscore tries. Until next time, talk soon.